Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Authentic and Unapologetic, my weekly podcast every Tuesday morning, just in time for your commute. Today is a podcast that is, number one, an exclusive. There's no video tied to this one, so you will only hear it here. And it's also one that I've been meaning to do for quite some time. This one, we are going to focus on basically breaking through your limiting money beliefs. And I say your because over on Instagram at Chloe Taylor, shameless self plug, I asked y'all, uh, I don't actually know how long ago this was, it might just have been a couple of weeks. Um, but I asked all of you, basically, I shared like a little bit about my own money and financial story and how I kind of went from basically being in poverty for all of my adult life into really manifesting my reality into gaining financial abundance, things like that into my life. And I wouldn't say that it was effortless because I had to retrain my mind to get there. But many of you, I asked on a little like Instagram sticker, what your limiting beliefs around money were. And I told you that I would dive in in my own podcast in a maybe one, two, maybe even three or four part series. And we would just bust through different money beliefs that you all have. So we're just going to jump immediately in. And I'm first going to start by saying if you're unfamiliar with what a limiting belief is or especially a limiting money belief, basically this is a limiting belief in general. Everybody has them. Everybody. It doesn't matter what you're doing, who you are, how much you've up-leveled your mindset. Every single belief you have has limitations with it. And as you grow on your journey, you will continue to break through and continue to basically like every belief you have, you can think of it like a box and putting you inside of a box. And every time you up level from that box, you break down all the four walls of the box and then you realize you're in a slightly larger box and so on and so on and so on. I believe that this is a lifelong journey. I don't think there is a single human on the planet that doesn't struggle with some form of limiting belief for one reason or another, even if it's a brand new belief or it's something they've had from really early on in childhood. So um, everybody has limiting beliefs. So I believe that everybody will benefit from this podcast. Even if you feel like you are like financially sound, uh, there might be stuff that I'm going to share in here that will just help you on your journey with overcoming limiting beliefs in general. So with money, I guess I would like to kind of start with a brief history. I really don't want to spend too much time on this portion because I really want to get to answering your beliefs and kind of really giving you some food for thought on them. But to kind of give you a brief synopsis of myself and why I feel like I I can speak on this is number one, I grew up in a household where both of my parents, and this is no shade on them, they are who they are, I accept them for who they are. But I grew up in a house where there was never enough money, even though there technically was, but there was always arguing about it. 
And my parents did not like share money. They still don't. There's a lot of contention in the household that I grew up in around money. Um, it was always this source of a lot of arguing between my parents and not just like a little arguing, but like very loud escalated. And to this day, a lot of it is still like that. So I grew up with this belief that money caused marital problems and I remember when I married my husband, I told him I had like no rules, like be who you want to be, but money is the one thing I will never fight with you about because I've seen what that does and I don't want that in my own marriage. So like anytime there's any kind of tension around money, I just turn into like a blubbering mess because I just, even from like that early on, there's definitely a point I would say of trauma around it because of what I witnessed. But <clears throat> Um, so fast forwarding a little bit into my adult life, moving out on my own, going to college, my parents, I was extremely privileged in my early years in college. Uh, the first year of college, my parents funded the, all of it. They funded my schooling. I did not work. Uh, the second year I believe was when I started working. And the interesting thing is, is even though I had my basic needs met, meaning I had food, I had clothes, I had shelter. I don't ever really feel like outside of maybe like a vacation here and there, I don't necessarily feel like I had everything in the world growing up. Um, there were just too many kids in my family. And the thing that was always kind of expressed to me was that my parents couldn't do for one what they wouldn't do for another. And there was this big, like, it needs to be fair. And I totally respect that. I think that's a really good way to look at things when you have seven children in your family. But it definitely led to a very like scarcity mindset of there isn't enough, even though from my perspective, and I can only tell you what I experienced, I wasn't the person handling the finances. But from my perspective, based on a lot of the like assets that my uh, family unit had, to me, they could. But Again, I wasn't the one actually paying the bills doing those things, so I can't really say for sure, but I just know that there was a lot of lack mentality around money in general. So I didn't necessarily like, I didn't have my first laptop until I went away to college. It was a graduation gift and I got like the cheapest one I could find uh, because it was a gift from my parents. Um, it wasn't like it was just like, hey, I want this thing and then it was just given to me or handed to me. Um, never. In fact, I can think of very few times where I requested something and maybe it was given to me as a birthday gift. Um, I feel like I was kind of conditioned from really early on that I wasn't allowed to ask for things because it would have seemed unfair to other siblings. And I was the youngest of seven. So again, I don't want to give this impression that I had nothing, but it definitely wasn't like this. Um, I don't even want to say like my every whim was met because I think it's good to like teach your children to earn things and stuff. But anywho, my point being is I remember when I got to college, I had a $290 like this was groceries, toiletries, gas in the car, anything that I needed per month. That was kind of what I had after rent. And most of it went to food. $290 went to food and gas. And I never really had money extra. So when I got my first job in college, um, I started working at a call center. I think I made like something like nine or $10 an hour, which was just above minimum wage where I live. And I remember my first check, it was like 600 bucks. And 
I didn't know shit about money. My parents did not set me aside and teach me how to balance a checkbook. In school, they didn't teach us this. Like, I didn't know shit about money. My parents and maybe even some of my older siblings would say things like, make sure you put X amount away. And I was Mormon at the time. So, of course, there was this emphasis on, like, paying tithing. Um, I'm not Mormon anymore. I've talked about that in other podcast episodes. Haven't been Mormon for a long time. But... um. There was definitely like a, okay, just make sure you put like 10% away, pay 10 to the church and, um, you know, pay your bills or whatever. And then if there's extra, like maybe even put more away. There was never like a, you know what I mean? I think a lot of people my age struggle with this. If their parents didn't teach them or they didn't learn it somewhere, they're having to kind of learn as adults. <laughs> and my husband, same way. He said nobody ever really set him aside and like taught him how to manage money. And my husband and I, we've been together since we were 17 years old. Uh, so our like early adult lives, from the moment he and I started making money at jobs, our money was pretty much together, like from age like 19 on. So... Um, both of us were just very irresponsible with money. Um, and I'm just going to mostly focus on myself and not him, but just know that we often would put our finances together even before we were married. So I remember I got my first check and I just like blew the whole thing. I was so ecstatic to have money. Like I remember being in college with my $290, right? The budget that again, extremely privileged to even have that. But I remember being in college and like running low on food supplies at the end of the month before my parents would give me money for rent again. And I would just stay home and just kind of like stare at the wall. Like there was nothing. I think I played a lot of Sims on my laptop. This was like pre-YouTube for me. Um, and there was a lot of me just kind of waiting around for money. And I was looking for work at that time. The economy was just kind of shit when I graduated high school. I graduated during, like, the economy crash. Um, I think a lot of people really struggled to find jobs at that time. My husband, boyfriend at the time, even moved to the place where we live now uh, to look for work. Because where he was living, where we grew up, there were just no jobs. Um, here it wasn't as bad. I'm just handicapped. So I knew I had to find work where I was seated. And that was the difficult part. So um, anywho, carrying on with the story, I remember like blowing this first paycheck, right? I was so excited to have money. I felt like it just burned a hole in my pocket. Like I didn't even know what to do with $600. And I think I bought like a new TV because I had a tube TV still. Um, I don't I couldn't even tell you what I bought. I think I bought myself like nice food. Like I took myself out because I never ate out. I never had money to eat out. And this kind of started a cycle because I think about this now, obviously, this is a very broad stroke. Um, I also have struggled with eating disorders, so I get it. But it reminds me of the mentality of like a binge eater, which I've been a binge eater before and sometimes still struggle with it. But it reminds me of the mentality of like binge eating, like the opposite of binge eating is restricting. And so when you restrict your body for long periods of time, you're bound to have a binge. And that's kind of what having money felt like. It was like I restricted for over a year. Plus, even before that, I never had money of my own. Um, and so I was pretty restricted for that first year. So when I finally had money and I didn't know how to manage it, I was just out of control. Like there was nothing would ever get put into savings. I It, it literally burned a hole in my pocket. And... This pretty much continued through most of my 20s. Every time I would earn money, I was spending it immediately. And 
it was okay until I lost a house, <laughs> until I got evicted from a house. It was okay until I lost a car. It was okay until, you know, there was a lot of times where my husband and I would bounce between jobs. I was extremely unhappy in the work environment. That's on being an empath and being in a call center. Oh my God, my empaths, if you are working in call centers, please find better jobs for yourselves. You deserve better. Um, call centers are the worst. They're the best jobs for empaths because we're really good at empathizing with people, but they're the worst jobs because they rip your soul out because people are just so carelessly mean. But, um, I don't really want to talk about that as much. I want to focus more on the money part. So there was a time period where I didn't know where my next meal was going to come from. And I talked about this in... I want to say a recent vlog, maybe a recent episode as well. There's, I'm just trying to kind of like glaze over a lot of this stuff. So there was a time period where we didn't know where our next meal was going to come from, didn't know where we were going to live and like divine intervention just like jumped in, which was incredible. But I also had my gaming career started up in 2013. Um, and that made okay money. But again, I felt like I was still really struggling to make ends meet. There was never a time in my gaming career where I felt like I made an appropriate amount of money for the amount of work I was putting in. Um, the gaming industry is hard. And that might just be my own limiting belief right there. It probably is. Um, but then I feel like... I feel like what really changed is over the last couple of years. Because you know, mind you, like this was all like poverty, like all of my 20s up until maybe like a year, I'm not even going to say two years ago, it's been maybe a year, this year, 2020, like all poverty, never had money for anything, could barely afford to grocery shop. I've had to borrow money from friends for gas in my car and then pay it back on payday. Like that was just the story of my life. And I knew that there was better. I knew that I could manifest better. I just didn't really know what was missing. You know, I believed in everything I'd learned about like manifesting money, about removing limiting beliefs, working consciously on them, but nothing ever really seemed to work. And then my whole career transformed in, I don't want to say it was really fast because it wasn't. Honestly, I held on to the gaming career for way longer than I ever should have. But that's that's Taurus energy for you. Tauruses will never give up. If they put their blood, sweat, and tears into something, you have to like forcibly rip it away from them before they will get rid of it. And I feel like even the career I'm in right now doing tarot, it would be the same way. If it were to go downhill, I would probably still spend two to three more years working on it because that's just how I am. I don't let things go easily. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I don't let things go easily, especially if I've put my own energy into it. And it's something I'm like really proud of. But <clears throat> mind you, during all of this time, it was just like paycheck to paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. And then there was probably like a two year period where my husband was pretty well the sole provider for this house. And for a while, like there was one, like maybe one good year in gaming where we were both making like adequate amounts of money and things were okay. But I'm going to say probably like the last two years. So not this year, but the year prior and the year before that, he was pretty much the sole provider. And it was me just trying to figure out what the hell I wanted to do. I was depressed. I was anxious as all get out. I, that was when my like full spiritual awakening was happening. And my husband was so extremely supportive which is great. Um, but 
ultimately what I believe changed was I had to A, change my mindset around money and actually reprogram it out. And I did this by using the Manifestation Babe book. I will link it down below for you. It's an incredible book. It's 21 days. Uh, day two is a little crazy. So prepare yourself for that. Um, I've had multiple friends that I've recommended this book to, and they always get caught up on day two. And it's okay if you have to take your time on day two. It might even be day three. It's like the day where you have to go through and make like a forgiveness list that day uh, for a lot of my friends really like put them out. This happened on more like with like three or four people I've recommended this book to. But <clears throat> it's probably the most important work in the book that you will do. But I've done this book like three or four times over this year and last year, 2019 to 2020, and just really sitting and reprogramming my subconscious around money. <coughs> oh my goodness. I need water. Sorry about that little tickle in my throat. Um, and I punched you. I'm so sorry. It's late. We're having a rowdy night. So needless to say, from that point, you know, I, I was doing the reprogramming. I was also asking myself what made me happy and how I could share it with the world, because that's something else you kind of learn. And in terms of making money, of course, many of us equate that to our career. I need to make a brief note right here that it's not always your career that is going to bring all the money in. And that really is the truth. It could be a side hobby. It could be your career. It's, you know, it could be a multitude of things, but for me, being a sun moon in the sixth house in tropical astrology, um, my career, my career and my routines mean everything to me. Um, and I could sit here and tell you my entire astrological chart as to why I gain a lot of my own like self-assurance through my career. That's not going to be everybody's story, but for me, it was really important to me that I make good money through my career and through the contributions that I could make to the world. So, and like I said, that's a huge part of my own natal chart. And it explains like why it broke my heart to lose my gaming career the way that it, it happened. But ultimately, I just had to start believing in myself. And on top of that, I started studying other mentors that I believed we're living the life that I desired. I started really up-leveling my mindset around money. I used to believe growing up Mormon that money was evil. And we're going to talk about that in the podcast in one of the episodes at some point, because I think one of you mentioned that that was a limiting belief you had that money was evil. So I grew up believing that money was evil, which is ridiculous. <laughs> um... I grew up with all these weird beliefs around money and that just kind of translated, I believe, into my adult life because what we know is that we live on a plane of mirrors and everything that we feel internally, it reflects back out in our life and we attract the right kind of people that help us play out those same patterns and I believe that me and money, we didn't have a good relationship. I always felt confined by money. I felt like I didn't have enough. There was always this lack mentality and it was, I wanted it, but I felt bad if I had it. And, you know, so it was undoing those kinds of things with the work that I did. And basically over the last like three-ish plus years, I've learned a ton about finances. I've learned a ton about investing. I've learned a ton about generating my own income as an entrepreneur. I've gone from literally withdrawing and overdrafting my account to a thousand dollars multiple times. 
um, to actually making like fairly decent money at this point and continuing to grow every single month consistently. And I believe that it all started with my mindset first and understanding the language of money and undoing the beliefs that I had and also following passion's lead because that's extremely important. So if any of this is like resonating with you, sounds like something you've experienced, makes you feel like similar, uh, there are two books for sure that I'm going to recommend to you. Number one is that Manifestation Bay book, which I will link down below. And the second one is Work Your Light by Rebecca Campbell. I've recommended this book to so many people. Uh, people have told me they don't like the audiobook, so maybe don't get it on Audible, actually buy like a physical book or get it on Kindle or something. But Work your light. That book was the one that really taught me to follow passion's lead and why it was so important to follow my passion versus what the world had conditioned me to believe I should be doing. Um, so those, those two things like really transformed the way that I make money, the way that I believe in myself and all that jazz. So, Oh my gosh, I said I didn't want to spend too much time talking about all that, but I think you kind of got the brief synopsis. It took me 20 minutes. I'm really sorry. Let's go ahead and get into the actual limiting beliefs. Now, I'm not going to name anyone because I said that I wouldn't because I wanted people to share their like real true uh, limiting beliefs and not feel like they were going to be judged or shamed or called out. So the first one that we have is I'm too young to be deserving of large sums of money. The only thing I have to say to you is Jojo Siwa. Okay, how old is Jojo Siwa? Let's let's ask Siri. Hey Siri. How old is Jojo Siwa? Hey Siri. How old is Jojo Siwa? Jojo Siwa is 17 she years old. She is 17. She has been in this game for I don't even know how many years. And my point to this is maybe you don't think Jojo Siwa is deserving of buckets and boatloads and shit tons of money. But the fact is you don't have to be quote unquote deserving. I actually think that's one of the biggest lies that society teaches us is that in order to receive anything what that we consider good in our life, we have to be quote unquote deserving of it. No, you don't have to be deserving of anything. All you have to do is exude the energy that you want to get back. Now, I do believe that Jojo Siwa is like the positivity queen. She is out there trying to really put smiles on people's faces and the world just rewards her for that. Now, I'm sure that there's a lot of naysayers, negative people that don't like her, that are jealous of what she has or think, you know, there's a thousand things I could say about this, but that's just one example. There are so many child um, models, actors, movie stars, um, people that are so much younger or even people that just inherit money that are so much younger, you know, there are literally children born into this world that are already millionaires. And do we think that they're quote unquote deserving? It just, it opens the conversation to what is it? Who do you think you need to be to deserve money? Who do you think you need to be? And how old do you think you need to be? Because somebody obviously put it into your head that children shouldn't have money or younger people shouldn't have money because they don't know what to do with it or they're irresponsible with it. And that might be true for some people that are younger that have a lot of money, but 
the important question to ask yourself is what would you do with money? Would you go off and like torch a bunch of cars and like burn swimming pools down or whatever Logan Paul and Jake Paul are doing these days? You know, would you do those kinds of things? Maybe. Or would you be that person that would buy every member of your family a house and a car and open up an animal shelter in your area? You know, ask yourself what you would do with money. And if it's actually putting good things into the world that you really believe in, there's no age limit to that. Just some food for thought. So the next one says, you can't make money because you are not talented enough. Ooh, this is such a good, juicy, limiting belief. Thank you for sharing this one. Um, The reason I love this one so much is because it really hits me in a very personal way. So in the gaming industry, I've talked about this a lot because it's where I've come from. It's That was my first big YouTube break. And it was good, but I never felt worthy of it. And that's the truth. Um, I would get invited by Electronic Arts to go on these crazy trips. One one took me all the way to Europe, and I live in the U.S. Um, Another one, I went to San Francisco to the main headquarters. You know, all these, like, business business trips that were, like, full full business expenditure, right? Um, I would go on these, like, really amazing trips. Only, like, the top 1% of people in the gaming industry get to go on sponsor-branded trips like that. And what's funny is I remember when the first one I ever went to, I felt so out of place. I was like, why why would they choose me? I'm just, like, this dumb girl. (laughs) I'm this dumb girl that just puts out the weirdest videos and why would they choose me? What did I do so correct? Why would they choose me? I couldn't get it through my head. And I would go to dinner with all these other creators and I felt so inferior. I felt so insecure, so out of place. I couldn't. I racked my brain for the entire like two and a half, three days that I went on the first trip. Why did they choose me? What did I do that was so special? Why did they choose me? I shouldn't be here. I felt like a total imposter, even though based on whatever reason, they never told me, I didn't ask either. I was chosen to go on that. I was chosen to be there. I was considered one of the top creators in that field. And the thing is, you can be the most talented person on the planet, but you're always going to be your own worst critic. That's the downfall of being human is we tend to always see our flaws more so than anybody else ever will. You know, I, even to this day, The content that I make now, like tarot card reading, things like that, um, there are so many people that are like, oh, your content is so good. Don't get me wrong. I think I've come a long way in believing in myself. And I do think for the most part, like 80% of the time, I'm like, hell yeah, my content is fire. I know exactly what I'm doing, da 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 But there's a 20% chance (laughs) that I'm like, oh my God, this was the worst reading of my life. People are going to hate this. They're going to cancel me with the things that I said. Da 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 da. They're going to hate my podcast. Like, real limiting belief stuff, you know? So, even right now, where I am, I'm just trying to put it into perspective for you. You might see me even as somebody who is very talented and can do a lot, but I also see myself under that lens of I'm not talented enough. And the thing is, we have to learn to to silence that voice, to tell that voice because it's not you. 
It's the part of your brain that was most likely conditioned in from really early on in childhood. Somebody told you that you weren't talented enough for something. And truth be told, I'm going to share this story because we have reconciled it, but it's important to me that you understand. So I will never forget the day that I changed my college major to film or I, I wanted to. And my mother, who was my best friend at the time, um, I called her and I told her that I wanted to go into film. I loved film so much. I wanted to go into film. And I'd previously done English major. I did. I was in culinary at the time because I also love to cook, Taurus energy. Um, and she said to me, you're not talented enough for that. You're not artistic the way, and I won't say the name here, the way that like one of my other siblings is very artistic. And I will never forget, I got off the phone and I just sobbed because the one person that I considered to be my best friend outside of my boyfriend, who's now my husband, um, my best friend of the entire world and my, my family member just didn't believe in me. The one person that I thought would fully support me and believe in me didn't and told me that I wasn't talented enough. And literally in that same moment, well, it maybe was like three minutes of sobbing, <laughs> I remember, and I wish I still had it because I was so into film. I was documenting like a lot of my life at the time, but this YouTube channel doesn't even exist anymore. I literally deleted it, but I had a YouTube channel where I used to do like vlogging back in like 2010 and I turned the camera on and I never uploaded this or anything, but I had the footage for a long time and I was just crying into my little point and shoot Canon camera and I said to myself, I gave myself a pep talk and I was like, Chloe, it's okay that your mom doesn't believe in you because the only person that you need to believe in you is yourself. And I turned that negative, I'm not talented enough bullshit. I let that fuel me. And I was like, you're going to fucking show her. And you know what? I did. <laughs> um, after that happened, I started my career in gaming like a few years later after I'd like learned some stuff about film. I started my career in gaming and I was considered one of the top creators in gaming at the time. And my mother and I even have talked about that since then. And I told her like, you, you said these things about me and like, I didn't say I sure showed you, but she did. She was like, well, you sure showed me. And she even apologized. She was like, I'm sorry I said that to you. I shouldn't have said that. So, um, you know, not only sometimes are we our own worst critic, but um, others around us can be terrible critics. But you don't need to be talented. Like, what is talent? I guess the point of me bringing all of that up is like, what even is talent and who gets to decide that we're talented or we're not other than ourselves. And when you say you can't make money because you're not talented enough, we know that that is not true because think about people that literally make money off of doing nothing. And I don't want to name names here because I actually do have a lot of respect for the hustle, but like, <laughs> I don't even know if I want to use that example because I really do believe in the hustle and I don't share that mentality of the rest of the world. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people like to shit on the Kardashians and say that they ha like have no real talent, but I would disagree. I actually think they are very smart business people and we don't see a lot of the stuff that they do behind the scenes that is actually very tactile and very smart. But 
for the example of this, most people don't think the Kardashians have a lot of talent. Most people really like to shit on them for being reality TV stars. And, you know, you can't make money because you're not talented enough. A lot of people don't think they're talented and look at them. Aren't they like multi-million dollar? Is it Kylie Jenner's business like a billion dollar business? I'm just saying, like, even the world doesn't think that they're talented and look at them. Like, who, number one, decides that you're talented? You are the only person that gets to decide that. So it's just you changing your belief about you. Um, and if there's something that you really don't feel like you're good at, but you want to make money doing it, continue to hone your craft. That's probably the most important thing you can do. Sign up for more classes, practice, you know, whatever it is. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the next one we have. I have to save all my money, never spend. So the only thing I really feel like I could say about this is, what are you going to do? Bury it all in your coffin with you? Like, you have to, you got to spend it, right? I mean, we can't take it with us, so what's the point in saving it all? And I feel like for me... I'm probably the right person to ask this question to because all of my 20s I spent like riding by the seat of my pants like no investments but every penny I made like not the best way to live don't get me wrong I do think savings is important I think investing is important and I'm now cresting into my 30s learning that and I've had all of my 20s to kind of have a wild ride and now I get to start working on that stuff do I think that I'm too late? No. Do I think I had a lot of fucking fun in my 20s? Yeah, I sure did. Of course, it was a lot of stressful times. But honestly, I feel like even to this day, I have no problem spending money on myself whatsoever. I'm a bougie bitch. And I say that loud and proud. I have no problem treating myself. But to say that you have to save all of your money and never spend it, what are you saving it for? I feel like there's this really big lie in society where we tell everybody they have to save all their money until they retire so that they can go and paint little pictures on the beach of birds or something. And the problem with that is if that's really what makes you happy, why would you wait until you're 65 to do it anyway? Do it now. Paint pictures on the beach of birds right now. Even if you don't live near a beach and you can't get to one right at this moment, make that the goal to get there. And, you know, watch beach movies and paint, you know, whatever it is that you need to do. Watch like a two hour, just like ASMR beach or something and just paint. You know, it doesn't have to be you there physically right away. But the reason I'm bringing that up is I feel like that is such a huge lie that in society, we always tell everyone, save it for a rainy day, put it away for retirement. But like, why would you want to wait that long anyway to enjoy what you have? Now, I'm not saying don't save some, but I do feel that it's really important to give yourself your own budget too. So let's say that we're putting 10 to 20% away in savings. That would be like the ideal in my opinion. Now, this is just for me. I can only speak from my own experience and what I think would work for me. I don't know what your bills look like. I don't know what kind of car you drive. I don't know how many people you're taking care of in your household. So these numbers could be extremely different for you. But to me, the ideal is saving 10 to 20%, you know, well, first taking out like bills, things like that, things that you need to pay, putting 10 to 20% away, giving yourself a budget, literally like, you know, let's, let's be grandiose here. 
maybe every month you give yourself a two to $300, like this is what I'm going to give myself. Now I don't even do that for myself. This is like I said, we're going to be grandiose. We're going to be bougie today. So you give yourself the two to $300 allowance for the month, right? And then if there's leftover in your account, you either leave it there or you can put it into another savings account, you know, whatever you decide that you want to do with it. You don't have to save everything. It's important that you come up with a budget plan that works for you. Because like I said, what are you going to do? Bury yourself with it? Like there's no, to me, there's no reason to save everything that you earn. It's, it's to me a life not, not lived if you're not allowing yourself to live it now. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't say that to be hard on you or to shame you or to even try to force the way that I believe on you. I mean, if you enjoy saving and that makes you happy, then continue to do that. But to me, I would, if I was faced with that, I would probably be halving everything. Half would go into savings and half would just be for me to spend on whatever, you know, whatever I could do at the time. So you can't take it with you. That's, I guess, like the biggest thing. So there's, to me, there's no reason to save everything. Like spend while you can, enjoy your life while you can. You're lucky if you get a hundred years on this planet, you know, unless we learn how to like cheat death on, at least in the way that we know it, then you get a hundred years. If you're lucky, spend it, spend it, do the things that you want to do, spend it on experiences, spend it on things that make you happy. And whoever said that money doesn't make you happy, clearly has never lived in poverty. I'm just going to say it like, don't get me wrong. No, the actual physical, tangible money does not make you happy, but money can certainly buy healthcare in America. Money can certainly help you to get the therapy that you might need. Money can certainly feed you and clothe you and put a roof over your head. And those are all things that we need that contribute to our happiness. So anywho, I hope that was helpful. Uh, moving on, we have trying to figure out where to start to heal generational trauma with a lack of money. So as I kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast, I kind of deal with that in my own way. I mean, even if we go back to say generational, um, I can't really say for my mom's family because I just don't know. I would have to ask her about it, but I know my dad, my father grew up extremely poor. Um, he was a farm boy. They didn't even have indoor plumbing. Like they had an outhouse. My father grew up very poor. And so I know a lot of the limiting money beliefs definitely come from him. And I feel like even in the way that in my twenties, I spent money might have been a little bit similar because I think my dad, when he finally got his big break, um, gosh, I would love to have my dad on the podcast to talk about money. <laughs> I wonder if he would do that with me. He is another Taurus son. We love him. We stan my father's energy. Um, he like, honestly, if I could choose the Zodiac signs, like as family members, my father is a Taurus. I would choose a Taurus for a father. They are like excellent father material. Um, but my dad, um, I feel like when he kind of like got money, he was so used to not having it that there was definitely a lot of expenditure there too. So I see where that has kind of carried on with me, but I do feel in terms of the generational stuff, it's really important. And I know it seems simple, but it's called work because it's work because you have to continuously work at it. 
identifying the limiting belief is step number one, identifying what it is generationally that keeps coming up for you. And then rewriting the statement, you know, let's say that it's, I never have enough money. You write it out in, in like pen, write it out, cross it out, and then rewrite the statement. I always have enough money. Everything is always working out for me. And every time you think that thought of, I don't have enough, repeat, I always have enough. Everything is always working out for me. Do you see what I'm saying? And it might seem corny or silly, but I promise from my own personal experience, it does work. It takes time to reprogram the subconscious. It takes time to get yourself to wrap your head around those new beliefs, because this is where like neuroplasticity comes in as well. Our brains make pathways, even with our own like thought patterns. We have pathways that are created that we will continue to think and behave the same way over and over and over and over. And it like digs that neuro pathway in deeper and deeper and deeper until it's like something that is just on autopilot. And so when we try to undo that, it takes time and it's really easy to fall back into the old pattern. I feel like this is the stuff that people don't always talk about where like your brain literally is programmed to keep you on autopilot doing the same things because it's easy. And when you try to change, it takes effort. So even though it seems like a silly thing to do and it could be very easy to be like, eh, it doesn't work, like give it 14 days, try it 14 days, just challenge yourself and see if that doesn't start to make things reflect differently for you. Um, I hope that was helpful. So next we have, Ooh, definitely the whole, there's never enough. And we always have to sacrifice one thing for another. Ooh, my God. Ah, I hate this for you. Always having to sacrifice one thing for another. Ah, I know because I feel like I've lived this as an adult. I don't remember necessarily my parents putting that on me. Like, if anything, I feel like my mom was always very supportive of like, nope, we're getting the brand name because we can. But, and it doesn't matter. Like, the generic shit most of the time is just as good. But something that I have had to reprogram into myself <laughs> is... Um, two things. And some people might love this and some people might hate this, but take what resonates, leave the rest. There are two affirmations that I repeat to myself whenever I'm in a grocery store and I feel like I need to put something down because I'm spending too much or like the money is getting to me for some reason, even though I have enough, right? Let's say like in this instance, I have enough in my account. I know I can afford it. There's this little inkling in me that wants to kind of shrink back to a past version of me where I didn't because I know what that feels like. And I remind myself two things. Number one, I repeat to myself. Being rich means I don't have to choose. And some people might love that. Some people might hate that. Um, I tend to use affirmations that include being rich because I believe that that really helps me to hold on to that vibration of what I consider richness to be. So I will tell myself that being rich means I don't have to choose. Being rich means I don't have to choose. And the second thing is I always tell myself, even back when I couldn't, and this leads me into kind of another little story, um, I tell myself I'm rich, I can afford it. Or I'll say like if some really big bill crops up randomly, I'll go, oh, it's a good thing I'm rich. <laughs> you know, I just treat it like it's so simple, right? 
Now, the, the reason this leads me into a story, let me get a little sip of water. Hold on. The reason this leads me into a story is because this time last year, um, finances weren't awful, but they weren't great <laughs> in this house. And I remember my husband and I, we would power walk around the mall because it's really cold where we live and walking outside was a no-no and we didn't have exercise equipment like we do now. So we would power walk around the mall to get exercise in, in the evenings and like an indoor mall basically. And I started playing this game. We would kind of walk by like all these windows, all these stores, and I would just tell my husband and he would kind of laugh at me like he was not on board with it. I would just tell him, oh, I'm so rich. I can afford that. Oh, I'm so rich. I can afford that. I can afford that. And I would make like this big game out of it. And I would really feel it. Like I would let myself be happy and like really feel into like, man, I could walk into that store right now, buy that shit off the mannequin and it would look fabulous on me. And it wouldn't, it would be, it would be nothing. Like it'd be so easy for me to do it. And like, and we used to do this so frequently that it was almost like a nightly occurrence. I was telling myself this, like, oh, I'm rich, I can afford it. I'm rich, I can afford it. I'm rich, I can afford it. My husband was super not in, on board, like super non-believer at, the, at this point. He believed in the law of attraction, but just like not the way that I did. And it was fine. It was whatever. I didn't judge him. It was fine. I just kept telling him like, I'm rich, I can afford it. And he would kind of laugh at me like I was being silly. Like maybe four or five days into this. Um, my husband was awarded like employee of the year from his department and he got this huge bonus and it totally solved all of our financial problems in that moment. And it was just like no warning. He had no idea it was coming. I had no idea. And let me tell you, I was rich. I could afford it. <laughs> so it's when you get into that mindset of just richness in general and really doing the work, even if you don't believe it, even if it feels really silly. Like, let me tell you the day after that, my husband and I went to the mall. Guess who next to me was saying I'm rich. I can afford it. Even though he technically could at that point, he still was like, damn, you were right, Chloe. I should have just listened to you. And I was like, what can I say? I'm not going to be that bitch that says I told you so, but like, mm. so I do feel that part of it is just getting into the mindset of richness. And even if it feels like you need to make it a game to get there, um, this was something that I really do believe transformed my relationship with money. Because when you treat money as an energy, because it is, um, when you treat money as an energy and as a relationship that you have with money, money doesn't want to feel like you need to sacrifice or struggle when you're around it, right? If if you had a friend and they were struggling and felt like they had to sacrifice one thing to spend time with you, how would that make you feel? You wouldn't have a very good relationship, right? But if you constantly were smiling and so excited to see money, so ready for it to show up, so excited to spend time with this friend, like y'all would be together 24-7, am I wrong? So again, it might seem silly. Maybe some of y'all are being like, nope, it doesn't work. 14 days. Try it out. Tell me what happens. Um, okay, next we have, I'm used as a source of money for others. My mom getting child support from my dad. Ooh. Oh man. I honestly don't know if I even have the expertise to look at this one just because I don't, I mean, I guess in a way, 
I do, but I don't. I mean, my parents are still together. Um, and I've never had to deal with that specifically, but something I have had to deal with is there was definitely a lot of contention in my family. As I said, my parents' finances were always separate growing up and they still are to this day. Um, it was always very understood that like my mom was the one who paid for like clothes and like anything extra for kids. My mom was the one that really did more of the financial supporting in the day to day where like, I feel like my dad did more of the bigger things. Like my dad would take care of like the field trip costs and things like choir supplies, things like that. But when it came to like clothes or like, um, school supplies, um, getting my hair done, personal hygiene items, like makeup, things like that my mom really took care of. And I think it was a really big sore spot between my parents. So I don't want to say that I was used for money necessarily, but it definitely caused contention. And so in some some source, I do empathize. I do feel that I can empathize. Obviously, it is not the same. I'm not trying to tell you that I completely understand your situation because I don't. Um, but it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to be put in the middle when you know that your parents are arguing over money and that you're the factor in it. So I guess the one thing I can say is I can only give you my own experience, right? I don't know anything else. So for me, living with my parents, the best thing you can do for yourself is when you are able to get out of there. And I know that that's probably not the answer you want to hear. Um, as early as you possibly can when it is safe for you to do so, I would recommend, again, if it is safe, I don't know your situation, but trying to set up boundaries with your parents even and just knowing like, hey, I don't want to talk about this, you know, or if one of your parents brings that up to you, you know, you as their child and as their like the product of them, it is not your responsibility to hold their arguments. It never should be. And that's not good parenting on them. I'm going to say that outright. Um, as a child myself, being caught in the middle of arguments a lot growing up and having to like really feel through that, that is not your responsibility. And that's really not okay for them to use you as a pawn like that. So if you are able to safely, I would recommend setting up some boundaries and maybe just requesting that they don't talk about those things with you or around you and that it's just like not really appropriate. Um, because you should not have to deal with that. And the second thing is when you can move away from your parents or out of their home, I would a thousand percent recommend, um, a lot of my limiting beliefs with money. Oh my gosh. Living in my parents' house did not facilitate growth mindset. Like I love my parents, you know, I understand them. I accept them for who they are at this time. And I see why they are the way that they are, especially when it comes to finances, but living under their roof, love you, mom and dad, but no, not facilitated for growth mindset at all. So as soon as you are able to, I would highly encourage moving out. It does get better. I really believe that the more you're able to surround yourself with people that you believe to be mentors or that are able to kind of support that idea of financial abundance, the easier it's going to be. Um, 
So I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have better answers. I'm not, you know, I don't have children of my own. I've only been a product and a child of these things. So like I said, I can empathize in some regard, but I can't necessarily give parenting advice and how to work through that. The only thing I can say is I is just to give you hope that things in the future when you are not under your parents' rulership will be easier. And I feel like a lot of adults do say that. And um, I hate that that's the only answer I have for you. I'm so sorry. Um, I hope things get better though. Please, 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 please follow me on Instagram. Um, and if any of you listen to this podcast and have anything that you would want to add, I plan to do this kind of as a series. So I maybe could go back and like revisit this question. If anybody that like has children or, you know, has any like thoughts on this, on how it could, be better for this child. Like I, or I don't want to say child cause I don't know how old you are, but you know, for this person, I would love to hear about it. And then we're going to do one more for this episode. And then we're going to get out of here. Cause we're almost at the hour mark now. Um, we have, I feel like I'm a bad person for wanting to be financially abundant. Like I'm a shallow or something. Okay. So I love this, this one because <clears throat> this limiting belief is something I can really relate to. Especially in the day and age that we're in, we have a lot of this like eat the rich, da 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 da, right? We have this belief system as a society that if you have money, you're a bad person, but also you're like made fun of and possibly treated poorly if you don't have it, depending on the crowd that you run with. And it kind of brings me back to what I said earlier in this episode where you have to ask yourself, this is the most important thing you will do. Like get out a pen and a notebook right now. If this was your question or like, this is something you struggle with, get out a pen and a notebook or get into your phone notepad or something. And I want you to ask yourself very seriously, what would you do if you were a billionaire right now, or like a multimillionaire, what would you do with that money? And it's okay if some of the answers are like, you know, I would set myself up for life. I would buy my dream car. I would buy my dream house. After you get through the things that you would do for yourself, ask yourself how you having money would help the world. What would you do? Would you start a foundation? Would you open up a college? Would you um, maybe fund money into like children actually getting to learn about money in schools or getting to learn about like mental health in schools? Um, would you fund your family being able to be fully supported? Would you pay off someone's medical debt? Would you donate to a shelter? Would you, you know, there are so many good things that the right people having money can do. And it doesn't make you shallow for wanting nice things for yourself. It's okay to want nice things for yourself. If it's something that you truly desire, know that you have desire because it desire makes us have inspired action. When we desire something, it sets a fire inside of us to actually get moving on something. And you're born with desire, literally. So when you desire something, it's just a call to action. Just how can I get that thing? What can I do to make that my reality? So it's not wrong to desire things. And I'm not going to tell you that there aren't people in the world that have money that do evil shit because there is. I would never deny that. 
However, the important thing is to ask yourself what you would do with it. Are you overtly an evil person? Are you going to go out there and like murder babies with all of your money? No, I hope not. (laughs) No, you would do different things with it. So it's not shallow at all. In fact, you could do so much good if you had the means to do it. And I believe that. So just a really important thing to ask yourself. I literally have like four or five more pages of questions like these. So we're going to do those in another part, maybe next week, maybe future. I don't know how we're doing it, but I hope this was helpful to some of you out there. I'm excited to dive into more of your questions. Um, I love you all so, so much. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week and I will talk to you again next Tuesday. Bye.